0: The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Let me uh, invite you now. uh, You'll see on the screen and in your bulletin that we're not going to Genesis. We're putting a pause on the book of Genesis um, and uh, going to the book of Revelation. We're going all the way to the other side of the book today. So uh, let it be said that I preached from Genesis to Revelation in just two weeks' time, Okay. So, very, very something there. Book of Revelation, chapter 1. Uh, come there with me to the book of Revelation and chapter 1. Uh, and uh, we're also going to be reading uh, one other Old Testament passage, and uh, I'll give you the directions for that uh, momentarily. So, Revelation chapter 1, and you'll see the sermon title this morning on the occasion of our annual meeting and the beginning of our 186th year of ministry the church is a lampstand. So, If you're going to Revelation chapter 1, let me ask you, uh, what happened in the year 1837? Martin Van Buren was inaugurated as the 8th President of the United States. The first steam threshing machine was patented along with Charles Goodyear's patent for rubber and Charles Morse's telegraph machine. The city of Chicago was first incorporated. In 1837, Abraham Lincoln was admitted to the bar and began practicing law in Springfield. And 170 miles to the northwest of Springfield in a barn and the property of Joseph Dunlap, the Presbyterian Church of Lower Rock Island County was first constituted by the Presbytery of Schuyler. It is now 2023. The barn is gone. And the church remains. On the uh, Actually, on the 75th anniversary of the church in 1912, Rev. T.R. Johnson, who served this congregation for 39 years, made this comment on that anniversary of the church. He said this, The church precedes civilization. The church is the guardian of moral truth. The church is the foster parent of liberty. The church is the promoter of character. The church is the developer of ideals. A community is blessed... A community may prosper and be given prestige because a church is in the midst of that community. So what is the church? If you're in the book of Revelation, we're going to be looking in uh, chapter 1, looking at verses uh, 9 through the end of that chapter. If you've got your Bible ready, let's pray together and ask God's blessing upon His Word. Gracious God, we come to you now with thankfulness that You have gathered us together in Your presence, praying now that as we've been called to worship and declared Your praise, confessed our sins, and received the assurance of grace and pardon in the Gospel through Jesus Christ, that that we might now sit under the authority of Your Word, receiving it with gladness, teachable hearts, and wills ready to obey that which You command us. So, Lord, come now by way of Your Spirit to illuminate our minds, to illuminate our hearts, that we might be a people who gladly, willingly, and joyfully receive the truth of your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Here now, uh, John's Revelation, chapter 1, at verse 9. This is the word of God. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. So May He writes truth in our hearts today. Keep your Bible open there. And as I say, we're going to flip back once into the book of Zechariah later on. Um, the book of Revelation gives us several beautiful but often overlooked pictures of the church and oftentimes when people consider the book of Revelation they, they think uh, merely future things and they, they don't realize the, the immediate relevance to the church today. Uh, the reason why these various interpretive pictures in the book of Revelation are oftentimes overlooked is actually just related to that. Some people think the book of Revelation only applies to the past. Uh, there are those who think the book of Revelation only applies to the to the future, and uh, when people are arguing about whether it's past or future, people miss the fact that that it has modern-day relevance, and that means that it has modern relevance to the church in every age. Uh, As God's Word, the book of Revelation speaks to the church of Jesus Christ in every age. Not just one particular age, but every single age. That means the book of Revelation speaks to the church today. Now, uh, this is John's initial vision here, and he hears this heavenly voice you saw there in verse 11. Then he turns to see one like a son of man. One like a son of man that was speaking to him. Now, what John is doing is that he is using the imagery of Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament to describe the glorified Savior, the Messiah Jesus, that he sees Jesus and he describes what he sees there at verse 12. Then I turn to see the voice And I saw him in the midst of the lampstands holding the stars. You see there, it speaks of his long robe, golden sash, white hair like wool, eyes like fire, holding the seven stars, and from his mouth the sharp two-edged sword. Uh, John is having a vision in the Spirit of the ascended and glorified Christ who reigns over all things. John is in the Spirit seeing these things and uh, what's interesting about this passage in Revelation is that not every passage of the book of Revelation is so helpful to explain itself because the book of Revelation uses numbers and colors and symbols and imagery and metaphor and allusions to describe spiritual truths to the church. And usually it's the case that the book of Revelation, when it uses these various imageries, it doesn't explain itself. But this section, the first section, Helpfully interprets itself so you don't have to be scratching your head going, I wonder what that means. Because John says, here's what I saw. And then Jesus says, this is what it means, what you saw. So not every passage so helpfully self-interprets, but this one does. So for example, after seeing the seven lampstands, verse 20 says, we are told, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So you don't need to say, Actually, I wonder what those lampstands really mean. No, 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 they really mean that these lampstands represent the churches. The book of Revelation depicts the church of Jesus Christ as a lampstand. The church is a lampstand. So the images of the glorified Messiah walking in the midst of the lampstands is a picture of how Jesus Christ, the living Messiah, is in the midst of the church. Now, the New Testament has all manner of metaphors to describe the church. The bride of Christ, the body of Christ. There are different corporate metaphors used to describe the church, but the book of Revelation here at the beginning is particularly interested to ascribe this picture of the church as lampstand. So, two questions to ask of that. First, what does it mean? And secondly, why does it matter? What does it mean and why does it matter? So, with regard to what it means, you may be interested to wonder this, this, this number seven. You'll find the number seven and different numbers throughout the book of Revelation. And you're wondering, what is the repetition for? There in verse 11 it says, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. And then in verse 12, there are seven golden lampstands and there are seven stars. What does this number represent? Uh, specifically with regard to the seven lampstands, when it says seven, Uh, The seven churches that are named there in verse 11, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, those are all in one region. All those churches are in one particular region, what we call the region of Asia Minor, and they would be all the major cities of that particular region. And so by speaking to these seven churches in this one region... John is understanding that to speak to this region is to speak to all the churches in the region. And to speak to all the churches in the region is as Jesus is addressing all of the church everywhere. So the reason why it's the seven churches in all of this region is representative that when God gives this revelation to John, he intends it to go to all of the churches. Now, the different churches are represented by particular cities, but they represent generally the entire region, the entire Church of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And you know that because even in the particular addresses in chapters 2 and 3, each letter to particular churches, the applications are sufficiently general that they apply to everybody everywhere. So it doesn't matter if you live in Ephesus or Thyatira, the instruction that you get is applicable wherever you are and whatever age you are in. So what that means is that The book of Revelation is not addressed just only to these seven churches, but to all the church in every place as these seven, the perfect complete number in this one whole region, represents the complete address of the church in every age. All that to say that when John in the Spirit receives a word to these various churches, it also means that this word to these churches is a word to you in this church, is a word to us in this place, in this particular age. And that would have been true at any point throughout our church's history, that the words of the Revelation are the words of God to the church, specifically calling them the lampstand. You see that in several places there in verse 12, and the explanation in verse 20 of what the lampstand is. The imagery of a lampstand, and you've got some of this information on uh, insert in your bulletin, but just to touch on a few details, the imagery of the lampstand has its background in the Old Testament, where the lampstands were part of the adornment of the worshiping location of Israel. First in a mobile tent called the tabernacle, and then later on in the physical place of worship called the temple in Jerusalem. If you were to look back in Exodus chapter 25, that's where God gives Moses the details of the construction of the tabernacle. And he says, let there be lampstands, and there are golden lampstands. And then in Exodus chapter 37, you have the details of those lampstands actually being constructed. So God says, where I am to be worshipped, I want these lampstands to be placed amongst other types of furniture that was in the tabernacle and in the the temple. But these particular lampstands is what we want to be drawn to here. These lampstands are not merely uh, instruments of utility, meaning it's dark and they needed light, though that was true. They needed to have their worship space illuminated, and so a lampstand's going to do that. But they're not just merely instruments of utility. They're also not just ornaments of beauty, though they were cast in gold. They gave light, and they were beautiful in and of themselves, but they weren't just uh, utilities and they weren't just ornaments. By way of these lampstands, the point was that God was communicating a very particular truth to His people. Because both the tabernacle and then later on the temple were designed to be representative of a home. And the furniture that was placed in the tabernacle and later the temple were representative of common things that you would see in your home, but perhaps amplified. So, for example, there would be a table. And on the table would be bread. There was always bread on the table. There would be various utensils and there would be light. So, light in the home with table and bread, symbol of a home. But the point of the lamps was that this perpetually burning light meant that there was always a glow coming from within the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, or later on, the, the temple itself. In essence, that was to communicate that the lights were on, that somebody was home. Did you ever go out of town and leave a lamp on? or set it on a timer right, to cycle through because you want to communicate that even if you are actually away, that uh, somebody's paying attention. right? Uh, God is not doing that. He's not trying to foil Israel into thinking that He's home when He's actually not, but rather the lamps were always burning to communicate that someone was always home. There was always an occupant in the home at all times, and that was meant to comfort the people and to remind them that the God of the universe had made His home In their midst, and that the light was always on, meaning God was always present. That was the point. And that the people of God were to live their lives conscious of the reality that God is in our midst. He's always here. The light is burning, and God is with us. And the people of God were to live in accord with this reality, but they struggled to. They struggled to live their lives in obedience to the fact that God was always in their midst. And they were often tempted to believe that God was not paying attention or that God wasn't serious when He gave His word and when He gave His ordinances. And oftentimes the people of God wandered and in waywardness forgot that God was in their midst. And these lampstands were to serve as a reminder not just of a physical lamp and a light itself, but God's spiritual presence by way of His Spirit. So if you want to come, keep your finger in the book of Revelation, but turn to the left of the book of Zechariah. It's on page 794 of a Bible in the Purakh. If you want to get there quickly toward the end of the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah in chapter 4, God speaks even more detail of these lampstands and what they are representative of in Zechariah 4. Again, it's on page 794 where God is speaking these things. Zechariah 4 at verse 1 says, and the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, and one on the right and one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, God is speaking here to His people, saying, The reason why I've given you a lampstand to illuminate light in the place where I am to be worshipped is to communicate the fact that your very life is guided by my divine spirit, which is in your midst, directing you, guiding you, protecting you, comforting you, so that you would learn to live, in verse 6, not by your own might, not by your own power, but by my spirit. God is explaining the spiritual significance of the lampstands to His people to say that you are called to live by My Spirit as I am with you in your midst. By His Spirit, God was among His people as symbolized by the lampstands. Now, as you go back to the book of Revelation, for the New Testament to take this imagery of the Old Testament and explain it this way is helping the church to understand that, that the church of Jesus Christ is no longer just one lampstand, but has multiplied across a region, and there are seven across all of this region. It depicts an advancement and an expansion of the kingdom, that there are now lampstands, not just in Jerusalem, but all over Asia Minor, all over this known territory, no longer only in Jerusalem, but spreading across the land. And the glorified Messiah in Revelation 1 verse 13 is in the midst of these seven lampstands. And do you see what John is saying? John is saying the risen Christ is in the midst of His people as they gather in these particular places. There is a lampstand with a lamp burning in Ephesus and Thyatira and Laodicea. There is a lampstand with a lamp burning because Jesus, the risen Christ, is in the midst of His church. And what Jesus is being represented of here, uh, to borrow this temple language, is that John is depicting Jesus as a priest, where in the Old Testament it was the priest's job to go into the tabernacle, into the temple, and tend the lamp. Right? Trim the lamps, remove the wick, and the old oil, refill the lamps with fresh oil, and relight the lamps that had gone out. Jesus is depicted here in the book of Revelation as his high priestly function of tending the lampstands that they might continually burn the light of the gospel so that the church would spread the light of that gospel by God's Spirit. Jesus tends the lamps in the church by commending and correcting and exhorting and warning in order that the church would secure its ability to continue to shine its light in the midst of a dark world. So Jesus says in John 8, I am the light of the world. And He likewise says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You're the city on a hill. And we draw the connection that We are the light of the world because Jesus is in our midst, shining, and as we are with Him, that light radiates out into all the world. And so this picture of a lampstand with Jesus in the midst of it is a New Testament picture of saying the church is advancing and Jesus is in its midst as the gospel goes forth. We are here because He is here, is what this is saying. That's what it means. So secondly, what does it matter? What does this matter that the church is a lampstand and Jesus is in the midst of the lampstands. Well, you and I both know that there is no shortage of opinions about the church. There is no shortage of people's opinions about what the church is or isn't or should and shouldn't be doing. To some people, the church of Jesus Christ is weak and ineffectual. Uh, an Ill, uh, irrelevant, uh, anachronistic, uh, archaic uh, uh, part of the past because Western society has moved on anyway, right? Outdated and irrelevant, weak and ineffectual to other people. They believe the church is essential, that the church is very much the center of life in society. But what we should believe as Christian people is that God says that the church is a sacred, golden lampstand carrying out the perpetual fire of God's presence to the world by way of His Spirit and the Lord Jesus who is in our midst. The church is a lampstand. And so that means that if we ask the question where does God dwell? And somebody probably wouldn't ask it that way. They would probably ask the question like where can I find God? If I wanted to find Him, where would I look? And you know different people might have their opinions about that as well. Where can I come into God's presence? Where can I find God? Where does God dwell? Some people would answer that in a highly subjective way, and they would say, Well, to me, I find God in my favorite tree stand. I find God in my favorite mountain range. I find God, etc., fill in the blank. To me, sitting on a beach is where I feel closest to God. They would answer in this highly subjective way, saying to me personally, as an individual, I find God in this place... But that's not the way the Bible answers the question. The way the Bible answers the question, where does God dwell, is that the Bible's unequivocal answer to where does the presence of God dwell is the church of Jesus Christ. Where does God dwell? He dwells in the midst of the church of Jesus Christ. The church is, therefore, the true temple of God's presence, The church is the lampstand of the Spirit where Christ dwells among His people. The church is the burning light of God's presence between Christ's resurrection and His final coming because it is the church's role to bear witness and hold forth the light of Christ to a dark world. So, where do you find the presence of God in the world? The answer is in the church among the people of God. The emphasis is not on individuality, but on corporate assembly, that when the people of God gather, God is in the midst of His people. So this means several things by way of important implication and application that I think just very quickly they wanted to touch on so that you can hopefully take home by way of sincere belief that this is true. What is true if this is true? What does it matter? Well, It means that church congregations and congregational life should reflect the fact that God is present in their midst. Meaning, how we treat each other, how we forgive each other, how we serve each other, and how we love each other should all be reflective of the fact that God is in our midst. He is here amongst us. And so therefore, how we live must bear upon the implication that He is here. Secondly, we should see the church the way God does. And that means cultivating a respect and honor for the church as deserving not what is left over from our time and talents, but rather giving priority to it. Not being here because you had nothing better else to do, but because this is your priority. Third, we should value and prioritize the worship gathering of the church as the meeting place of God so that when you gather with God's people, you can have the confident assurance that you will hear again that Christ is for you that Christ is not against you, that He has forgiven you, that He loves you, and you can hear that assurance again as you come and gather and know and believe the prioritization of the worship gathering of the people of God to hear the Gospel and sing the Gospel and pray the Gospel and believe the Gospel again. Value and prioritize the worship gathering of the church. And fourth, we should insist, you should insist, That the flame of the gospel continues to shine here in this church. You should insist on that. Why? Because this word about a lampstand is spoken of with a word of warning. If you're still in the book of Revelation, look down. Look down into chapter 2 and find this address to the church at Ephesus. Chapter 2 at verse 1 says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of Him who holds the seven stars in His right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus is speaking to His church. In verse 2, He says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary. Verse 4 says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Pay special attention to verse 5. Jesus says to Ephesus, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I will come and remove your lampstand. What does that mean? This is not a threat to remove some individual person from the family of God. It is not a threat to an individual Christian believer to have their salvation revoked from Him as if that were a possibility whatsoever. This is a warning collectively to a congregation. A congregation may lose the privilege of being a carrier of the eternal fire of the Holy Spirit. A congregation may have its lampstand removed from its midst. Jesus says, unless you repent, I will remove your lampstand. He's essentially saying, I will remove My presence from among you. Now, sadly... I think this is exactly what has happened to many churches across the West. There's a building and there might be a few people who come, but a long time ago, concessions were made and the lampstand has been removed because there's no concern for the Gospel. There's no concern for mission. There's no concern for the authority of Scripture. And as a result, God has said to the church, you don't want Me, and so I will remove My presence from you. Jesus promises that His church generally will never be overcome on the earth. He says, remember, the gates of hell will never prevail against the church, but He never promises to individual congregations that they will last forever. Because if they forsake Him, He will remove His presence from among them. When a church stops loving Jesus, When a church harbors sin in its midst or stops teaching the Word of God, it is in danger of losing its status as a keeper of the eternal flame of God's presence, namely its lampstand. Why am I saying this? Not because I think that our church is at threat, but rather because every church must realize that we don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist for our own authority. We don't exist for our own missions. We don't exist for our own purposes. We exist for Jesus Christ and His kingdom. He is the Lord of His church. His will reigns. His word is the authority. His opinion matters more than anything else. And so, when this church was founded in 1837, when all those other things were happening, this place was very much a frontier, wasn't it? In 2023, we benefit from almost 200 years of development and civilization such that it is not the frontier that it was in 1837. But the reason why the church was founded wasn't just because it was a geographic frontier, but because it was also a spiritual frontier. In that sense, 186 years later, this church is still on a spiritual frontier still having work and mission to do as the church is planted here in this community with a lampstand burning and a job to do still on the spiritual frontier of this particular generation because there are still many, many of those who are still aliens and strangers to the love of Jesus and they're your neighbors. They don't know anything about Christ. Maybe generationally, way back, they had some church commitments, but it's just not present. They need to come in. They need to come into the household of faith. They need to find that the light is on and someone is home. And that there's things happening here in this household of faith and that God's people are gathered, and that God's people still welcome sinners and strangers to find a home in our midst because everybody that is here was once a sinner and stranger, now to be made sons and daughters of the King. Jesus says, let your light shine. And that light is the light of the Spirit of God in our midst as we declare forth to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He welcomes all who come to Him in faith. People of God, may the lampstand of Jesus Christ burn here for as long as He is pleased to ignite it and continue it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truth of the Gospel and we thank You for Jesus Christ and His Kingdom. We pray, Lord, that as this church is an outpost, an embassy of that kingdom, that you would find us to be a faithful people, a people committed to Christ, a people committed to one another, and a people committed to seeing those who know not the Savior's love come and find rest in the goodness of Jesus. So, Lord, bless our church, we pray, to this end in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.